This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson here with you live from Mission Control along with Michael Remus at the Winnipeg Sports Talk Command Center here in South Winnipeg. Great to have you with us. I'm fired up. Um, despite the result of last night's game, should be a great one tomorrow on Hockey Night in Canada when the Jets and Oilers do it all over again. And to discuss last night, tomorrow, everything else happening in the National Hockey League and much more, we've got one of the best in the biz, our good friend Dave Poulin from TSN Hockey joining us in about 10 minutes. And a little bit later on, my partner in the lock shop, the uber-talented Dustin Nielsen, is going to join me. We'll uh, have a little bit more on Jets Oilers. Maybe some March Madness, never a shortage of fun and laughs when Dusty's on the program. But considering I'm in Winnipeg, he's in Edmonton, figured this was a perfect time to get him out on the program for the first time to talk about what we had last night. Um, but before we get to our guests, let's welcome in Michael Remus, finishing up week number two of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Remo, how are you doing? What's good? Are you ready for the weekend and uh, ready for what should be a great show this afternoon? Yes, Huss, I am definitely ready for the weekend. Busy weekend for me. I have not one but two fantasy baseball drafts. It is fantasy baseball draft season. March Madness going on. Going to be games going on nonstop. And, of course, Jets-Oilers round two Saturday night. Uh, a lot going on. So I am pumped to be here. Uh, pumped for the weekend. Great weather today. I already got my afternoon walk planned. So uh, And great to see so many people in chat. What's going on, guys? How are you? Yeah, great to have everyone starting it off hot early on. You can get those uh, comments in. What did you think of the game last night? We'll get to that. Uh, say hi, you know, hi to Leslie, who said, I sure hope the Jets keep their habit of not losing two in a row. Need to put a game, a game, game together, a um, little bit of a win streak together. Um, certainly, I think they just want to salvage a 500 record out of this week. I mean, you know, losing the first game to Montreal at home sort of put them in, you know, maybe a bit more of a desperate situation in game number two. And, Reem, you know, last night's game, I know we sort of joke about time zones and the schedule and how it gets brought up a lot. But, it, I mean, it is it was significant last night in creating an atmosphere of a game that was um, – well, let's just say not usually the exciting brand of hockey that either of those two teams play. I mean, it was um, it was a slower game. It was a more tight checking game. It didn't have a lot of the offense that we are used to seeing between the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. But it did have Connor McDavid in it, and that was pretty much all the Oilers needed. Just a couple of opportunities for 97 to get it done, and uh, that was all they needed. Two goals from McDavid, two goals it was one more than the Winnipeg Jets were able to score, and um, Edmonton got the win last night in a bit of a slog fest. Yeah, that, I agree, and and I agree. we do you know make fun of time zones and back to backs, but look, they are playing a very compressed schedule. Uh, you're playing a lot of games, and you definitely saw that this was two teams that had played last night. The Jets did have you know the bonus of, of travel. I know Edmonton traveled too, but Calgary to Edmonton not. And it's nothing crazy there. Uh, and Connor McDavid, um, I think he's, you know, he, we knew he was good. And we don't get to watch him every game like Oilers fans do. I mean, of course, if you have the package, uh, you can. But he was, I mean, those goals, both of them, were just like, follow to your seat. Like, oh my god. The first one, puck rims around the boards. And that's a tough play, you know, grabbing it off the boards. He kicks it with his skate. 
like just enough like that it goes right on his stick and then it's in the back of the net and he's stick handling with his head up uh, not looking at the puck and on that 201 same thing i mean he's stick handling back and forth looking at you know like he's gonna pass and just no look in the back of that you have no chance and those are the two plays the jets had a couple chances i think it was connor had a post stasny had a post now the fourth line looked very good Again, Perot chipping in, and he's been excellent uh, this year in very limited time. And so I think if you're the Jets, you were in the game. Um, you held them to, I think, 21 shots against, which you've been being been outshot all season. So I think for 60 minutes, you played pretty solid. Uh, two plays were the difference. Uh, Lauren Brossois, I thought, very good again. Uh, like you, you want the team to have a good effort, and they, I thought they limited Edmonton most of the game. But uh, it didn't work out, and you move on to the next one, and they haven't been beat back to back all year. So you think that they're going to, you know, they're hopefully uh, get a split. Yeah. Oh, the Godfather has weighed in. Shout out to Mitch at Winnipeg Hockey Talk, who said, I think that game last night was the winnable game in this set. Let one get away. I, I don't disagree with that one. I, I, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, that was a game that, you know, absolutely could have gone either way. You'll win some of those, you'll lose some of them. And, You know, unfortunately, when, you know, the biggest difference maker this year is for the Jets, probably been Connor Hellebuck. He wasn't in the lineup last night. 97 was. And despite only giving up three high danger chances to the Edmonton Oilers, um, two of them were to McDavid. (laughs) And that was pretty much all that uh, all that mattered. You know, the Jets didn't get anything from their top two lines. They did generate stuff. I thought Mark Shifley had a number of opportunities last night and. Man, that Remo, that one that bounced over his stick in the open net with the goalie pulled late at night probably kept Mark up a a little bit later than he would normally be. But as Shifley said after the game, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that they did do well when you think about being able to win on the road in the division. um, You know, you're going to have to play some games like that where they're not really all high flying and, you know, all these amazing, you know, you know, goals in transition and off the rush. And I mean, credit to Tippett and the Edmonton Oilers for not giving the Jets a lot of room to move, especially in the offensive zone. As far as being the winnable game, I, I mean, I don't know. The Jets have come back and won pretty much every single time they've lost in regulation this season. So, um, you know, certainly Jet fans and a lot of people here watching this show are going to hope that that will be the case tomorrow. Um, and I even think back to those two games earlier, Reem, when the Jets played the Oilers in Edmonton. The first game, what was it, 6-5? They had the 5-1 lead and ended up winning it. You know, that was the Monday game. A game where they are atrocious defensively and, to be honest, probably didn't deserve to win that game. And then they came back, I thought, played way better in the rematch, but ended up losing 3-2. So, hey, these games are going to be tightly contested. They're going to be close. Um, If the Jets are able to get some production from the guys that they really count on to be productive, namely the 55 line and Pierre-Luc Dubois line, uh, they'll have a better opportunity, but you're going to have to do your best to see. And the funny thing is the Jets up until this point actually have done about as good a job as you can expect against Connor McDavid. Maybe it's unreasonable to think that you'd be able to do that night after night. And, uh, you know, he bit him last night. It happens to the best of them. Yeah, and I was surprised to hear how few points he had against the Jets. And I think when these two teams play, you know, you want to see that high-scoring game, that 6-5, you know, a lot of goals contest. It wasn't that last night. It was two teams that had to play back-to-back. And again, we, jo- we joke about that, but I think it is definitely a factor, and you saw that. And McDavid, I mean, he's he's too good. Some people want to crush uh, forward for, you know, the pinch 
on that second goal, but like if McDavid gets the puck there, he's just blowing by Forbort uh, anyways. The guy is too good. You know, a lot of talk on Twitter yesterday. The guy's a cheat code. He's not real. I mean, you look at his points and how far away he is from everyone else. Uh, you were watching more, like, an elite, elite superstar. You know, we throw on generational talent. This is the first time I've said that here. I mean, he's more than that. Uh, he is so good. The way he stick handles, how quick he can shoot. Um, you know, how he skates, his speed, he's got everything. Uh, it's incredible to watch. And even though the Oilers haven't uh, had the success, I mean, being able to watch this guy every night uh, has got to be uh, something else. You know, fortunately, we have seen him in Winnipeg a bunch. But uh, some of the, those goals uh, yesterday, you're just like, oh, my God, like, what do you do? How do you stop that if you're Lauren Brossois? Uh So, it was, I mean, again, tough game. It was close. They had a chance to win. They didn't. And I don't want to say that that one was the winnable game. I mean, they're playing two. They haven't lost back-to-back games. So they're going to come back and they're going to, they're going to play. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and I don't think you can say, you know, next game isn't winnable when, I don't know, it hasn't hasn't happened. They're, pre- they're all pretty even teams. I'll say this. When we look at the cool bet lines tomorrow, you know they'll be a pretty juicy underdog. And we know what the record is coming off a regulation loss. So I will just throw that out there. We'll hit the cool bet lines a little bit later on today uh, here on the program. Now, we are getting some questions in the chat about the jersey I am wearing right now, Reem. And, you know, I figure now that we're taking this to the podcast realm as well as YouTube and with it being on video... Why not have a little fun? I mean, every day is sort of Jersey Day in the command center because all of your jerseys are just behind you with the 2014 Winnipeg Gold Eyes Media Home Run Derby Trophy. Um, I have not set that up like that, so I figured I would maybe pull a few out. And if people are wondering what this beauty is, let me just show it to you all. Dare to enter the Nottingham Panthers. And uh, this is actually a game jersey of my brother, Dunk. Shout out to Destruction. Great supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, and he played over in the Super League. I believe this was the year. His defense partner, Reem, was two-time Stanley Cup champion, Jim Pack. You will remember winning the Cups in the early 90s with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I believe he's the first Asian uh, Asian player to ever have his name on the Stanley Cup. And, of course, he went into coaching as well. Guys would get together sometimes when he was in town with Grand Rapids. So uh, a very cool jersey. I'm going to be throwing out other jerseys uh, on Fridays, I think, on the program as we go as we go forward. So to everyone in chat wondering about it uh, was, yeah, and these European jerseys are different. Usually, the thing I love about this one, most of the European jerseys just have a big ad on the front. This one has a, a very cool logo, Dare to Enter. There you go. So um, Nottingham Panthers. Not sure if that team is still around. Dunks back here in the peg fighting crime. Um, but uh, I figured it would be a, it was a great one. Too. If you were going to start off and wear one of those jerseys, Reem, in the background, what what's the go-to? Oh, man. Um, the one Certainly I always go to when I play. not that disgusting Canucks jersey on the right, I hope. That's, God, a, that's a legendary It's hard to look jersey. at throughout the show. That's an unreal jersey, 90. Then the beloved 96 third jerseys that brought us, uh, what, the Wild Wing jersey, the Burger King jersey. This was the Canucks one. <laughs> my go-to when I play Shinny is that Sackick 2002 Team Canada jersey. That or my Afina Genov. I would rock probably one of those. Only legends uh, in, uh, behind me. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you got the Sackick one. I just certainly do like that. Um, so we're going to get into all sorts of Jets Oilers talk with Dave Poulin coming up in a few minutes. Uh, and, of course, we'll also talk more about with Dustin Nielsen a little bit later on. I see a Gitch Lichka's in the chat wondering if there's a new lock shop today. There absolutely is a new lock shop. If you haven't checked it out, it's the uh, sports betting podcast I do with Dustin Nielsen, who's going to join us a little bit later on. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just type in Lock Shop and uh, get in that. We do new episodes on Tuesday and on Fridays, and we're in the midst of an absolutely epic heater right now. So it might pay. Watch me jinx us by uh, by saying that, but um, we will definitely have some great picks tonight. Dusty and I will get that out, and we usually get that up live in and around eight o'clock Central Time, um, and we'll get that out of Edmonton on Dusty's uh, on Dusty's account. So. Coming up a little later on, I did take a major L and had to get a new phone this morning. So if any friends or family are watching and wondering why I was sort of not uh, uh, contactable last night, well, that was all on me. Took an L, but we're back. And everyone is talking about Dr. Roos and how jacked he was in his vaccine photo today. We will definitely talk uh, about that coming up in just a moment. Of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is brought to you by Not Autocorp, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway and 650 Rally, and the Winnipeg Boston Pizza locations. I actually have to get to Royal tomorrow. Um, of course, hockey is back. It's your number one hockey superstore. But more importantly, spring is here, and Royal is your outdoor headquarters for everything. Camping, wake surf, skateboarding. They've got a new expanded fitness department with all the top brands of active wear and shoes. And the bike shop is open. Uh, it's just about time to get those rolling and um, pop down and see our friends at Royal Sports to do that. And if you're looking for a great spot for the game tomorrow, just a great family meal or the game day meal from Boston Pizza, you know where to get that. Any of the local Boston pizzas or online at bostonpizza.com, the game day deal. The spicy pierogi pizza, a meteor pizza, and a 24-pack of wings all ready for you for game night. And uh, even though the Jets are not playing, it might go well on a Friday night. Just saying, find out more local Boston pizza or at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get to it. Been looking forward to this all week long and really over the course of the past month since uh, everything finished up on Pemina Highway. What a pleasure it is to welcome in our good friend from TSN Hockey, Dave And Dave, how are you? Great to see you and talk to you again. I have to ask you how you're doing. This is You great. know what, Dave? I'm doing well. I'm feeling I'm feeling great. Um, you know, obviously spent a couple months in the hospital a little uh, ways back. Uh, my mobility's great, walking around a lot and feeling better every day and you know, we, um, you know, last month was kind of crazy for everybody, um, certainly here in Winnipeg. It was sort of shocking the way it happened, but um, didn't take very long to realize that as disappointing as what happened with our station, it provided an incredible opportunity to uh, try to continue doing what we're doing, have control of it ourselves, and connect directly with our listeners. And I got to tell you, Dave, uh, it's been amazing to get support from from guys like you, um, and the support from people here in Winnipeg has just been phenomenal. We've blown away every goal that we had for the first couple of weeks. Um, the numbers continue to grow, and uh, the response has been great, so we're going to absolutely keep on doing it. And um, it's uh, it's exciting to be uh, starting something new after uh, trying, to, trying, trying to make chicken salad out of chicken bleep, if you know what I mean, Dave. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I have reinvented myself a number of times in my life, and... I have a good buddy. He claims I've reinvented myself more than Madonna has reinvented herself. <laughs> and and I've had this eclectic life, Andrew, and it's been 
right back to when I played. And, and I was one of the, one of the few guys through that time period that actually worked in the summer. And my agent, after two years, he said, you're going to law school, you're going to MBA school, you're going to work. And I said, well, are you, are you kidding me? I'm the captain of the Flyers. We just went to the Stanley Cup Finals. I have a job, thank you. And he said, the average NHL career is 4.2 years. You're halfway done. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. You work for me, right? And so that started sort of a this crazy, I guess, view of things that I was always involved in something and something different. And I worked just in the summers. I didn't, you know, take it into the season at all. Uh, I worked in Wall Street for a big firm and then got all my licenses and spun off and opened a broker dealer in late stage arbitrage while I was the captain of the Flyers that we were doing late stage arbitrage, which is <laughs> baffling in itself. But even over the years, you know, when I was done at Notre Dame, I, I coached for 10 years. I worked as athletics director for a couple of years and then totally segued, like a total, total change of gears. Moved to Chicago for a couple of years and worked in the executive search industry. I was a headhunter, knew nothing about it. Um, had a fancy office with wheels on my chair and a big whiteboard and some <laughs> markers and a great view of the city of Chicago. We were in the loop and it was just like, okay, here we go. Where is this going to go? And and I had a great two years doing it, a terrific two years. And it was only Brian Burke getting back with, you know, in with the Leafs that brought me back to hockey and a chance to go back to my hometown in Toronto. And then even the latest ventures, you know, post doing that back on TSN, this was totally unexpected, this whole TV, radio, and it's been great. I've enjoyed every single bit of it. So, you know, I, I, would just tell you to welcome the challenge and the chapters as I've turned the pages, the chapters keep getting better and better. It's great. No, you know what? I, I agree. And, and, you know, with all of this, there's been some really cool opportunities that have come my way kind of outside of this, but being able to do all of it and work with whoever we want to is, um, is pretty cool too. Let me just ask you, Dave, going back, cause I am interested. How rare was it um, when you were playing for, someone of your status in the NHL to be working in the off season? Were many of your other teammates doing it? Or was that something that no. you sort of took to heart and just tried to, you know, make the most of every moment when you weren't um, on the ice? Yeah, I, I didn't. Nobody else was working. Um, you know, it had passed. And in fact, probably 20 years or 15 years before I played, guys did have summer jobs because they didn't make enough money playing hockey. And, you know, Bobby Clark used to talk about, if you got knocked out of the playoffs early, you got up back up north in Western Canada, you got the better jobs in the mines, which is a crazy thought. But in my time frame through the 80s, nobody was really working at all. And, you know, I enjoyed it. I'd studied finance at Notre Dame, and I was always going to try Wall Street at some point. What I really found out was I really didn't like it. And I did it for almost eight years, uh, seven years four with a big firm and then spun out and opened a little broker dealer. And actually you'd enjoy the, the name of the broker dealer. It was Lob, Martin and sometimes Poulin. It was LMSP incorporated. And, and when I would call the trading floor, the traders would be like, sometimes, how you doing? <laughs> and you know, it was fun. It, it, I think what bothered the flyers probably at that point, Andrew was I, I always came to camp in great shape. I went to the gym every morning, six days a week, didn't go into the office till about 10 o'clock. And so I would win the conditioning award in the fall. And that would make them even angrier, you know, that someone that was doing <laughs> something else in the summer would win the two mile run. And, uh, 
But you know what? I enjoyed it. Had I not done it then, it wouldn't have given me the opportunity to go back to Notre Dame to my alma mater because I would have done it when I was post-playing. I would have gone into, uh, and it more or less got it out of my system and gave me a chance to do other things in life. Dave Poulin's with us here. Hey, Dave, before we get into the Jets, we've started Jersey Fridays here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Nice. How, do you th- how do you think about this beauty? The oh, Nottingham it's Panthers. It's my brother's old game jersey from when he played over in Europe. I thought it would be a good way to start it off on the show. Oh, that's really good. I love it. Yeah, nice advertising. You know, I played in Europe for a year at the start of my career, and I dug up one of the pictures recently. I think when they put the helmet advertising on the guys, and one of my producers asked me about it, I said, oh, I got some pictures. And and I was head-to-toe in advertising, you know, over there. In fact, we got a new contract with a flower shop in town. And, um, you know, I played for Rogla BK, which is actually a pretty famous club team in Sweden. I think Niels Hoaglander most recently with the Canucks played there. And so we get this new sponsor, and it's a floral shop. And our jerseys are covered head-to-toe. Our socks are covered. So they took two great big petals from flowers and put them on both sides of our cheeks on our pants. So Come it, on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had two big flowers on the back of our pants. That was the only available space left for advertising. Well, I have a feeling we might see more of that in the NHL, especially with the way the you know economy and the economy of hockey is being hit by COVID-19. Did you see the skates that Austin Matthews wore? Oh man, those were sharp. They those were pretty were. slick and pretty <laughs> subtle and you know it was about the branding and we had Bill Daly on Leafs Lunch with Andy Petrillo and she and I asked Bill Daly about sort of the individual branding which the NHL has never really gone for. It's always been team 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 and he said, "Hey, you know, just as you just mentioned with the pandemic, we're open to whatever we can see or do or you know whatever direction this takes in but they were really tastefully done uh we had a pair in studio and so you could really analyze and you saw the 34 but up close was a lot of stats and where he was born and and different things that they were they were cool i mean if you're a kid you're wanting a pair of those you know you see mark shifley wheeling out in a 55 or or blake wheeling a 26 you're going whoa wait a second you know that has me written all over it if you're a young guy growing up in winnipeg well, I have a feeling that those 34 blades, no matter what the price, will be flying off the shelves in the GTA. That's for sure. Hey, listen, before I talk just specific Jets Oilers, because I know we'll kind of get uh, into that and talking about the North Division. You know, I, you know, you're you have such a unique background with your business experience, working in the league, playing in the league, now being a part of the media. Dave, when you look at the landscape of the National Hockey League going into the trade deadline, but particularly next year with the flat cap as things hopefully get back to normal, how do you think that it is going to affect the the markets for players in the league? Um, and who who of the league? I imagine superstar players like Petrangelo got paid last year, but a lot of guys didn't. How significant is these challenges going to be for teams and maybe more so for players and agents when it comes to signing deals next year at what they think is their market value? I think it'll be very significant, but I think it'll be significant for arguably the next three to four years. I think it'll take that long to get out of it. Because don't forget, when we do have income that's flowing back in, the owners are going to want to take their chunk that they've been on the hook for here through this period as well. And, you know, I think I think the top 10 played paid players in the league are going to be the top 10 players three years from now, um, maybe even four years from now. And, you know, the, those guys that are north of 10, I think are going to remain there 
And because that was maxing out, if you look at it, when those contracts were signed, they were signed at basically the 81.5. They're all fairly new contracts or maybe, you know, but they were also signed with the knowledge of the increments that the cap was going up by each year. So it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just, okay, we're at 81.5. We can afford 10.8 or 10.9 for Mitch Marner. It was, well, the cap has increased this much each of the last however many years. So it's going to do that for the next three or four years. That's not happening. And so I really think, you know, the, the best players are going to get paid, albeit I think at a lower number and the guys that are really going to get squeezed out. And we're seeing it already. The number of guys that are, yes, you can play on my hockey team, but we can only give you $750,000 because that's all the cap money we have. And, and that's just going to be the way it is. I think there's going to be a lot of, guys that fall into the the three and four range that in, in recent years would have been sixes and sevens. Now, that being said, Andrew, I would say if I'm a player, you know, then I might be looking at a two-year deal instead of a seven-year deal or a six-year deal and say, look, I'm going to bet on myself. Uh, I'm going to go out and have a tremendous couple of years. And, and now if, as a player, you can handle that psyche because – you know, certain guys play well with long-term contracts and certain guys struggle when they know they're in contract years. And and that's a different makeup of a person and a player and whatever you're comfortable with. But teams could look to get good deals here done too, where they say, look, we'll give you five or six years, but here's the number. And, you know, if you're happy in a city and, and you're playing there and you're doing well, that's going to be a decision. You know, you sit down with your wife and say, okay, here's what they've offered. And she says, okay, I love it here. Hmm. That's probably the end of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just think, you know, I think back to a couple off seasons ago when the Jets were in, you know, the situation where they were doing their best. They had to sign Patrick Line, they had to sign Kyle Connor. Connor ends up getting the getting the seven year deal for fifty million or whatever it was, and Line gets, you know, the two year deal, which of course is coming up now. And you know, if you could have possibly had any sort of foresight to know what was coming, obviously, who could have? Um, probably those decisions would, at least on the line A side, maybe be quite a bit different knowing what was available at that time as opposed to, you know, right now going into restricted free agency and then unrestricted free agency in the midst of trying to climb out of an unprecedented hole financially for the league as a, as a you know, as, as a whole. Well, you know, but it's interesting. There's always been ebbs and flows in, in contracts. If you look back to before the, the hard cap went into play with the lockout in 2004, 2005, I mean, back in the late 90s, and I retired in 95, and, and you know, right when it was starting to blow. And Eric Lindros had come in, and he pushed the gap. And I remember sitting in those meetings and Bob Goodness saying, guys, don't get upset at Eric Lindros. He's going to push the bar. You know, he was making more money the day he signed than Mark Messi and Wayne Gretzky were making. Well, guess what? He did push the bar, and it took time. But if you look at the late 80s, I mean, you had guys like Bobby Halit making $10 million bucks a year. And, <laughs> like, think about that. It was crazy. But, but it found its level. It came back, albeit with the cap. And if you're, you know, if you're a hockey player and you're telling your story now, or you're telling it 15 years from now, and you say, well, look, I got caught in, in the years of the pandemic. You know, if if I tell my own story, it's like I retired in 1995. Happy, healthy, everything else. I miss the big paydays. You know, the next five to eight years were the largest paydays of that time. And I miss them. And that's my story. 
And, you know, but that being said, I wake up in the morning and I'm 100% healthy and, and I'm happy and, you know, and I wouldn't change a thing. Um, you know, it's just, it's just the draw of life, if you will. And, and if you're playing in the NHL right now and you're asked about this 15 to 20 years from now, you're going to go, I either got helped or hurt or hindered or blessed in some way by the pandemic. Dave Poole and TSN Hockey is our guest here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, well, Dave, let's get to it. Jets and Oilers are in the middle of a two-game set. Um, you know, I got to ask you about the North Division overall. But last night's game, both teams played in different cities the night before, and I think mm-hmm. we weren't really too sure exactly what we would get. We did not get the six-five game we saw earlier with not a lot of defense and back and forth. Both teams, I thought, did a pretty good job of nullifying most of the offense or offensive opportunities on the other side. That being said, the Oilers have Connor McDavid, and he does not need very much to uh, to make you pay. He did that last night, and Oilers get a big two one win. What did you think of the of the game overall, and just what we saw from two teams that you know were on the second end of back to box back? And how different will it be on Saturday? Well, one thing we've seen with these multi game sets is the games aren't the same. I mean, they're just not. And if it starts with a six five game, the coaches are going to get a hold of them, and there's going to be a low scoring game coming right after. And, you know, now that they've played each other a handful of times, the respect they have for each other. I mean, you know, going in, if you go into a game and say, we're going to hold McDavid to two points and dry settle to nil, you're saying, we're taking it. I mean, we're taking that game. And, you know, I, I still think it's, it's still a work in progress for the top six on the Jets. And I watched them through their series in Toronto, and I was traveling last night and caught the, la- caught the last half of the game when I landed in Montreal up at Vancouver here tonight. And, you know, in just in, in being able to watch that, I don't think the top line is hitting on all cylinders right now. And, and you're seeing flashes of what, why the coaches have put Dubois together with Connor and Ehlers. And so... But the luxury you have is six unbelievably talented hockey players. How they're going to fit together may not be determined right now. You know, I could still see another move of those six. I could see Connor going back up and playing with Shifley and Wheeler. I could see Stasny fitting in very comfortably with Dubois and Ehlers. So I think that's part of it right now. You know, and, and you would look and say, well, geez, you know, the Jets have rolled along pretty good. They took five or six points in Toronto, and they've got a nice little run here. And I still don't think that their top units are hitting on all cylinders. Now, how encouraging is that? Uh, I do think they have one of the best third lines in hockey. And and the part I love about that line, I mean, there's a lot I love about that line. The first time I saw Adam Lowry was um, at a game in Swift Current. And I think he was 16. And and I remember saying, you know, your scouts take you to see somebody. You're like, well, wait a second. What about him? And they're like, no, no, no. He's a really young guy. I, said, I love that kid. And I did. And But talk about draft and develop. You know, you you in that group have a third rounder in Lowry, a fourth rounder in Cop, and a sixth rounder in Mason Appleton. And they all took different routes to get there. Two of them are college players. And, you know, and spent time with the Moose and truly developed. And I think that's that's a real you know statement to the organization that you can arguably take that line and fit them every which way in your team and have them be an elite third line that all have functional roles outside of just third line penalty killing whatever it may be. And I think 
I think Mason Appleton is is on the rise too, and I think he's got an upside that we haven't seen yet. So, um, you know, you've been getting a lot out of them. The fourth line is is hey, you know what? The fourth line's a coach's dream. You got veteran guys there that do everything and go out and bang away, and you know they've got some winning in their blood and, and Trevor Lewis and, and Cup experience and you know, a sage veteran in the middle in Thompson and, and a guy who can do a lot more in Matthew Perot. So the, the bottom of the lineup is settled. I don't think the top is settled yet. And that's the upside and encouraging thing I would say for Jets fans. You know, it's funny, Canadian markets, um, you know, when things are going well, everyone spends all the time talking about the sixth and seventh defenseman and the extra guy and the, the fourth line. But you know, you bring the fourth line up. I thought they were great again last night. They, they generated the one goal. Um, but to put a line like that together, you're also taking a guy like Jansen Harkins out of the lineup, who I think sort of established himself as a valuable player in that role for Winnipeg last season. Agreed. And a, and a first-round pick in Christian Veselainen that acquitted himself quite well that's not in the lineup. I mean, you've been on the management side of things. I mean, if you're Kevin Dayoff, um, is there is there friction between you and the coach as far as getting some of those guys into the lineup? Or is it just a good problem to have that, you know, you have players like Harkins and Veselainen that right now aren't in your top 12. So you call it friction, and I call it incredibly healthy conversation <laughs> yeah. that goes on between Paul Maurice and, and Kevin, and, and obviously Zinger would be right in the middle of those conversations as well. But that's constant, and that's why they do well as an organization is because they have those constant conversations, and they're not easy. And, you know, we've been through phases when I was in management where you wanted to to project a player up, you know, but I just talked about the development and why when Cop and Lowry and, and Appleton finally get to where they are, they're what they're supposed to be because they weren't rushed and they weren't put in a situation they couldn't handle. But, you know, you, you talked about a couple of forwards. I'm looking at at least three D back there in, in uh, Dylan Sandberg and uh, Vili Hanela and, uh, and Sammy Niku who, Hey, you know, is one of them going to project in the lineup? And Logan Stanley's pushed his way past them, arguably because, you know, the player that got hurt, Nathan Beaulieu, is a penalty killer. And so Stanley, you know, would would need to perform some of that role, and I think he's done well. But it's such a balance on when to get the guys in, and would they love to fit them in there? Of course they would, from a cost standpoint, from everything they'd love to fit Christian Veselainen in there. But if it's not, if he's not ready and to compete at the level you're competing at, then it doesn't do anybody any good. Well, it certainly keeps the uh, the guys in those uh, other positions that are on the ice right now, knowing that you know they better perform because there's guys right behind them. Dave Poulin's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Dave, North Division overall, we knew that one of the Jets or the Oilers were going to catch the Leafs last night. Edmonton's played a couple more games. When you look at the North right now, how would you handle the hierarchy? Are the Leafs still the top dogs? How close are the Oilers and the Jets? Uh, Jets to the Leafs, and outside of those three teams, who do you think is the most likely team to be a part of the four-team playoff? Well, I'll start by telling you how I picked them at the start of the year, and that was Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, and Edmonton. Um, Calgary, fifth, Vancouver, sixth, Ottawa, seventh. That's how I picked them at the start of the year. I don't feel a lot different now, and I know Montreal's dipped, but everyone is going to or has dipped, and and Toronto's doing it right now, and I'm really... Intrigued to see how Toronto handles this. This is the first blip on their radar screen this year. Everybody's going to have them. Um, every championship team has them at some point. How do you react to it? 
and they were off obviously from Sunday to Friday. They play tonight. They play back to back here. And so, you know, we're going to watch and see how they come out. And I still think they're the top team. Um, but obviously the gap is closed and I still feel strongly about Montreal. I, I think they're, you know, losing Ben Sherratt's a big loss, but I still think they're going to get it. And as much as the rotation of the goaltender has to be still determined and how much Carey Price plays and, and, you know, where Jake Allen fits in. Um, I, I think that their veterans have dipped a little bit lately to Tar and, and Dan Owen Gallagher. I think they're going to be fine. I really like Winnipeg, and, and when I grouped them, I had Toronto 1, and I had Montreal, Winnipeg 2-3-3-2, two, three, three, two. and then when it came down to Calgary and Edmonton, I basically came down to a decision, and I, you know, I, I like to write things down. I had paperwork all over the place, and it came down to Jacob Markstrom or McDavid and Dreisaitl, and that's what it came down to, and I chose the two superstars over Jacob Markstrom at that point. Now, or one coach later in Calgary. Has that changed anything? They got the little coach's bump, which is the curse of every fired coach. Won their first three games under Daryl. Um, I still think Vancouver, as much as, you know, they've quietly made noise without Elias Pettersson even in the lineup. And they've sort of snuck back into it themselves with a with a 7-2 record in their last nine. And, uh and, you know, Ottawa's going to be a royal pain. I'm looking now and seeing, okay, who has Ottawa like four times in the last, you know, somebody's going to have a nightmare. I think the Jets finished with three against Ottawa. Yeah, and they were that, sort of fortunate. They had five real early in the year, and they got most of those points. But, right. you know, you, you, we could absolutely be talking about, you know, the difference between finishing fourth and fifth and being in the playoffs and being out could be, you know, a regulation loss to the Ottawa Senators, and we'll see on that. On Calgary for a second, Dave, Sutter comes in, and you go way back and know exactly what he's all about. Um, what did you think of the move to bring Daryl back? And, you know, despite the fact that they got one laid out on him, a 7-1 to Edmonton, they did get those first three wins. How do you see things going for the Flames now that we're into the second half with the, uh, the old new sheriff back in Calgary? Well, I had a unique relationship with that Sutter family because I, I was – you know, sort of seen as an honorary brother because I looked after the twins when they were young. So if you look after the two little (laughs) brothers when you were in Philadelphia and, you know, and then I've crossed paths with literally all of them, probably Daryl the least, actually. Um, I played for Brian in Boston. He was my head coach. I knew Brent from some of the world stuff, the Canada Cup stuff. Um, Dwayne and I got, you know, friendly when I was at Notre Dame and he was in the scouting ranks and we used to see a lot of each other. Um, Daryl, I do know the least and and but i i think it's a little misconstrued in thinking that daryl is as old school as he's perceived to be and if you look you know particularly with the fighting and stuff because if you look at those la kings teams that that won the cup they weren't fighting teams they were really tough hard to play against heavy teams but they weren't fighting teams and you know i, I don't like mid-season firings that, in general because i think it lets players off the hook I just, you know, just from a coaching standpoint, it's always bothered me. And I only went through it once as a player. But I remember when it happened in Washington for us, you know, half the locker room thinks that, okay, well, it wasn't my fault. And if half the locker room in Calgary is thinking, oh, great, we got a new coach. It wasn't my fault. Come on, guys. Like, you've had five coaches, um, you know, I mean, in seven years. So you just keep changing coaches. 
and you don't get off the hook. And it'll level there. And I think Daryl's an excellent coach. And and the recharging part that he thought he needed is no surprise at all because that that is that is the hardest job in hockey to be a head coach of a national hockey league team. I think that is the that is the hard job. And I watch guys that do it for a long period of time and with continued success. And I just marvel because I know what they go through. And one of the things I did when I was with the Leafs, I, I managed the coaches. I say that, you know, I, I was the general manager of the Marlies. So I had um, Dallas Aikens and Steve Spot down there. But with Ron Wilson and Randy Carlisle, I spent a ton of time with those guys. And if you walk into a coach's office after a game and see the anguish in his face, and see what he's putting himself through as he's replaying the game in his mind and how he's beating himself up over decisions he made. It's just <laughs> it's one tough gig. And I give guys a lot, a lot of credit for and respect for how they do it and, and how well they do it. A guy like Paul Maurice, um, you know, to say Daryl Sutter needed a break doesn't surprise me at all. And, you know, you're intrigued to watch what happens moving forward in Calgary. Dave Poulin's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Before we go, you spoke about the difficulties, the challenges of being an NHL head coach. Um, a GM's job around trade deadline can be incredibly pressure-packed. Put the GM hat on a minute here in Winnipeg. You look at this team, you realize their strengths, their weaknesses, what they'd like to be better in the short term. Um, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, how hard are you making a run for a Matthias Ekholm, a David Savard? Or is there someone else on the market you think might be a better fit at a more reasonable cost? Yeah, I, I I think Winnipeg would be well served at a veteran D and the two names you mentioned be great examples. Um, and, and sometimes through no fault of your own, the exact timing doesn't line up and it can't always line up. You know, you'd love one of those three young D that I talked about playing in Manitoba to be ready to go. But, you know, Blake Wheeler has something to say about that with his age and Mark Shifley with the point of his career at his age. And you can't line everybody up at the same time. And but the beauty you have right now is you have some pretty good trading chips if you choose to go into the market. And, and I, I could see that happening. I know that they're working hard to try and get some, you know, um, some sort of break on the whole 14-day quarantine part. And as more and more people get vac- vaccinated, hopefully that'll ease up. And it's got to be quick, though, because, you know, it's coming up pretty quickly on us on April 12th. But I could see... We can't forget that, that Kevin went in hard in a couple years in a row with Paul Stasny and Kevin Hayes has no qualms about making a big trade if he thinks it's right for his team. And as unique as the circumstances are this year, I think adding a, a veteran quality defenseman like you just spoke about would be, would be really well served. Dave, can't thank you enough for joining um, us here today. I want to pick Sports Talk Daily. And just personally, thank you for all the support over the past month and really over the years. It was always just a pleasure having you on the program, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and uh, fans of the Jets here in the peg on uh, on the new program. Well, you know, I've always enjoyed the Winnipeg market. and I enjoyed coming into it as a player, and I've enjoyed working in it. You know, we've done a lot of broadcast stuff with it, but uh, wish you all the luck with the show and um, and look forward to joining you in the future. I really appreciate it, Dave. You have a great weekend. Thanks so much. You as well. Thanks. There he is, the one and only Dave Poulin. You can give Dave a follow on Twitter at DJPoulin20. And um, Dave is just, I mean, he's one of the great guys in the hockey world. And we've got lots of them. Um, but he has been, um, you know, an incredible supporter of ours, was uh, always there for us back when uh, we were uh, on the station on Pemina. And um, 
pretty awesome to uh, have him join us this week as we get going uh, with Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Now, uh, with Dave in, uh, we'll have Dustin Nielsen joining us in just a few minutes. I do want to tell you, if you missed yesterday, there's been a lot of talk about some of the uh, our old pals from 1290 and when we'll be getting them on the program. I can tell you that your voice from the morning, Jim Toth, will be our guest on Monday's show. Have talked to Rick Ralph. Double R will be on at some point next week. We'll see whether uh, Wicks and Westy and Kevin O, Munzee want to come on. So we'll, we'll kind of go hard on some 1290 voices next week. Should be a lot of fun to uh, to do that. I just had an incredible read for Not Autocorp, and we were just going to get into the big Dairy Queen talk for the weekend with the blizzards going on, and uh, mm. apparently I missed it. Well, if you didn't hear it, um, Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGillivray, your Tesla headquarters in Winnipeg, um, you know, get into a great new vehicle with the Knot team and they'll help you get out of your lease right now with their consignment program. Find them at knot.ca. And a big thanks to Nick and Nikki and the Nikki Nikki DQ group, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ Niverville, and the DQ on St. Anne's, which I'm sure will be bumping open a little early this year. And they do have full service burgers as well. I did not know that. So thanks again to Nick and Nikki. Why don't you make your weekend that much better with a blizzard? an ultimate DQ burger, or maybe even a DQ ice cream cake. All right. Um, as long as you can hear me, let's welcome in my partner from the lock shop, the incredibly talented Dustin Nielsen. Uh, many, well, I mean, we actually have enough 1290 orphans that are joining you in the morning that there is, there's a name for them, Dusty. The Hustlerites, the Hustlerites <laughs> who, uh, who listen. I had, I had somebody text in before the game on, uh, I guess, well, last night, yesterday morning on the show, and they're like, Dusty, we need more Jets talk this morning. Like, we are fired up. So <laughs> it's, it's been good. But I'm here to talk blizzards, Huss. I'm here to talk Dairy Queen blizzards. I'm a sucker for the cookie dough blizzard. Extra stuff. Extra stuff. It's, a little, bit, it's a little bit too much, but I love it. Sometimes I can imagine. What about the kids? Are they? Are you bringing them up on cookie dough, or do you kind of let them make their own decisions at this early point in their lives? You know what? You can't give that much responsibility to kids at a young age. So we mostly keep them to the the like vanilla sundae with strawberry toppings, and that's. I mean, that's the greatest thing ever for them. So it's good. I don't even. I don't even want my kids to get sucked into the Blizzard game this early. Like we don't need it yet. They got to enjoy the the sundae. Then you get up to the banana split, and then eventually. You get into that Blizzard game. <laughs> then you get into the diesel of the of the ice cream world. <laughs> it's go time. Uh, folks, if you're not familiar with Dustin, of course, he is my partner on The Lock Shop. We'll be doing a new program talking sports betting and continuing a pretty significant heater as well tonight, Dusty. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've been on fire here for the last little while. The only thing that ruined it is the Detroit Red Wings, which we'll talk about on The Lock Shop tonight. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss of words for how the Detroit Red Wings have screwed us over on the lock shop. But outside of that, we've been doing pretty good, buddy. So I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to get back at it today. Yeah, they've won like nine games, and eight of them had been at our expense <laughs> at some point this year. Against but, good um, teams, too. That's the worst. We've been killing it on the underdogs. We're having a lot of fun. So if you are listening on the audio podcast, um, just go into wherever you're getting uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Type in lock shop, and we'll have new content for you Tuesdays and Fridays uh, right there into your inbox. Um, let's get to it. You know, we've seen all sorts of things from the Jets and Oilers when they played so far this season. Um, Tight-checking defensive hockey hasn't really been the calling card of either team, and yet a uh, bit of a slog fest last night that if it weren't for the brilliance of the best player on the planet, um, we could be talking about a one nothing game or a 1-1 shootout. 
Yeah, as uh, Tippett said after the game, Huss, I think he described the game as a little bit of a muddy track out there, which <laughs> uh, which was a great description. I, you know, Dave Tippett, when he's on, he's he's excellent. So, but but it's actually a pretty accurate description as well. And you know, I was driving home last night, listening to post game from the rink, and. You know, I kind of, and this is how it always is when the game doesn't go how you expect it. I kind of started thinking, I was like, you know, maybe we should have seen that coming. Two teams that had played the night before, even Edmonton had to travel home from from Calgary, and obviously Winnipeg had to make the trek up. Uh, So maybe not a lot of jump early on. And, you know, if you're going to have a crazy high-scoring game, I mean, you probably need a little bit of of juice in the the system flowing early. And they just, neither team really had that last night. So, uh, you know, here in Edmonton, the big conversation for us this morning was the fact that the Oilers – have the ability now to win that style of game in the second half of a back-to-back. And they've actually been pretty good in back-to-backs in the second half uh, since Dave Tippett took over. But for the longest time, I mean, the Oilers would have made a critical mistake early in a game like that, and then they would have fallen behind, and then you know things would have just gone off the rails. And that's not the case anymore. So in the last you know, 56 hours or whatever, they won a wild one against the Flames. And then won a tight one against the Jets. And, I mean, any team in Winnipeg will know this as well with the Jets. When you can win games both styles away, uh, you know, you become a legitimate National Hockey League team, especially in the North. You know, you know, between the two of us talking both for the betting show and just back and forth as buds, it's been very interesting following the plight of the Oilers because, you know, they had that great run. Then they ran into a brick wall against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, at that point, I, you know, listening to your show, it sounded like it was just a major citywide reality check. <laughs> and, you know, everything just cooling the expectations. And, you know, really, since that series, they've gotten right back to doing what they've been doing. And that's winning on a consistent basis and getting them back in the mix for first place in the division. Yeah. So we're, as of now, right, they have 40 points and tied with Toronto at 40. Uh that was a wake-up call, I think, for everybody, including in the organization that, you know, they just weren't ready. They didn't get any breaks in that game. They didn't get any power plays in those three games. So that was the second game they had some, but literally didn't have any power plays in the third game. So they bounced back nicely, which kind of calmed everybody down. Then they dropped a couple, and you're thinking, okay, well, let's see where it goes from here. And that was you know, that first game against Calgary. The Sutter hockey really sort of shone through, and the Oilers aren't ready for that. And then they came back and just absolutely demolished them in the second game and then picked up that nice win So against Winnipeg last night. So if you look at the Oilers, I think it's 16 of 23. No, it would be 16 of 24 games that they've won, which is pretty darn impressive after the three and six start. So it's been going extremely well. Uh, and, and you know what? Even in the losses outside of that series against Toronto, but the loss to Calgary – uh, earlier in the week, the loss to Vancouver on the weekend and a couple losses before that series against Toronto, man, they actually played pretty well in all of those games. Like it wasn't a garbage effort and you're questioning what's wrong with the team. The only time we've done any of that in the last almost two months now was those three games against Toronto and that's it, which is it's so weird for me to say that considering I've been here for 11 years and literally picked apart every single aspect of this organization and now you know they just they don't give us much to talk about in a negative way lately you know here in winnipeg we have um, been very preoccupied with the upcoming trade deadline and the trade market and maybe you know preferably if you're going to make a move doing it sooner as opposed to later with the quarantine and the timing with being a canadian team and all that um, the focus here in winnipeg is solely on the blue line Ekholm, savard some of the other names that have been thrown out what is the trade deadline chatter around Edmonton? And is there any major needs? And, uh, you know, do they even have the ability to really pull it off considering where they're at cap wise? 
Yeah, that's the major issue. I mean, we could always do four hours in the morning on trade proposals. That's the problem. <laughs> People have lots of ideas. Uh, but, you know, they have their first round pick this year, but they don't have a second or a third. So that kind of kills you in the rental market because I don't think, I mean, the others aren't in a position where you're giving up. Well, no team really probably this year is in a position to give up a first for a rental. If you can get somebody with term, sure, that'd be great. But Ken Allen came out and said he's not really looking to address depth. If there was a bigger move, you know, it might be there. And then I saw Frank Cervalli on his trade bait piece talked about how the Oilers, you know, aren't really going to get into that rental market and don't want to move their picks. So I'm not too sure exactly how active Ken Holland's going to be. Uh, I, I, I like the vibe around this group right now anyway. I don't know if you need to make any sort of significant changes. People are always calling for a top six left winger to play in the spot of Dominic Cahoon or Ennis or whoever slots in there behind Nugent Hopkins. But, I mean, scoring goals is not a problem for this team. You're going to have more than enough offense. to me, And you're not going to address the goaltending right now. And even if you were, Mike Smith's having an excellent season so far. So does that fall off the rails? Maybe at some point. But I think you got to milk that for as much as you can right now. So for me... And I've said this a few times. I think adding a veteran rental left shot D man to saddle up with Adam Larson, who's actually been really good so far this year. And you got Nurse and Barry, and you got Larson and one other guy, and that would be four veteran defensemen. And I think that just would go such a long way, not having to rotate Russell and Legison, who's been good, and Jones, who's been inconsistent on that left side with Larson. If you could do that, then you know that would be great. Alexiak's a name that's popped up here. I'm not sure if you guys have had him pop up there either, but that would be the type of guy, especially if you can get some playoff experience. I think that would be probably the most that you'd see these guys do. All right, uh, live here on YouTube and later on today on the podcast, it's Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. If you're with us live right now, do us a favor, hit that like button that uh, apparently our CTO, Michael Remus, tells me that that helps the cause. Uh, but we love having you here. It is fantastic. Now, Dusty, uh, I will never forget sitting beside you on the draft floor, broadcasting <laughs> live in 2016. Austin Matthews goes off the board, number one to the Leafs. We're all fired up to hear Patrick Laine's name. He is called. And then the Columbus Blue Jackets step up and take Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I remember turning my head to you, and you just had one of these, oh, my God. <laughs> and sure enough, the Jets, uh, the Oilers go and take Jesse Pugliarvi. And it did not go well for Pugliarvi early on. He ended up going back to it. And I will give you credit. You have been the president of the Yessi Pugliarvi fan club since pretty much day one. Um, but a lot of people soured on him, his potential as an NHLer, the fact that he went back. And, you know, and he himself said, hey, I want to be traded. I don't want to come back. It's hard to believe how well things have gone this year, and I dare say that there might be a bigger fan of Pugliarvi in Edmonton, and it might be Dave Tippett. Um, tell us about the season that Pugliarvi has had, how important he is to the Winnipeg, to the Edmonton Oilers, and the support he's getting from the head coach that we see even last night out there late in the game in an important moment in a 2-1 hockey game. Yeah, Tippett's starting to infringe on my territory here, buddy, as the biggest Yessi Pugliarvi guy in town. And, you know, if, if anybody could have my back in this, the head coach of the team's probably the best one to have. And you're in good and, hands. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty remarkable story. Like he goes back to Finland last year. Anytime he scored a goal, I'd retweet it, knowing that I'd be taking the heat from everybody saying, ah, he's playing in beer league. I mean, anybody's gonna score in beer league. This guy's a bust. Nielsen, give it up. He's never gonna be back ever again. And you know, you watch him. 
the reason I remember I was sitting, you're right at that draft. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, cause I I've always seen him as, you know, like that prototypical winger that would fit in nicely alongside Connor McDavid. And it's starting to come to fruition, but it has been a nasty road. I had somebody texted in my show this morning. I thought made a great point. Like this is not just a good hockey story. This is like a good human interest story. Like Jesse Pugliarvi came over as a young kid. It did not go well. Wanted to leave, went back to Finland, decided that he was willing to come back. There was people here willing to give him a fresh opportunity. It couldn't have been easy for Pugliarvi to walk back into that dressing room with everybody knowing what had been said since he left and not even walking in, but walking into a room where, you know, arguably the two best players in the National Hockey League are, and you've got to fit in with that group. So I think Ken Holland handled this thing perfectly. Jesse Pugliarvi obviously matured since he was here last time. He worked on his English. I think that's going to help a little bit more. He's almost like this mascot feel to the team with his goofy smile and the way he plays. But Tippett having his back is probably the most important thing. Like the guy raves about him all the time, started him on the third line. And when Cassian wasn't clicking early and Pugliarvi was doing a lot of the little things right, elevated him up. Uh, our friends at Cool Bet set the total at eight and a half goals, even though I told them they should probably set it at 11 and a half. And I'm going to cash in on that here right away. Uh, but it, but I still think he's just scratching the surface, man. Like he's still just figuring it out. You saw last night. He manhandles people in front of the opposition's net. Like he's that usually doesn't happen. He's <laughs> he's a rare he's a rare <laughs> specimen. And I think if it continues to trend in the right way, man, it's it's going to be nice. Well, and you know, Sir Mixalot would love Jesse Pugliarvi because Baby does have back, and he's not afraid to use that derriere in front of the net. Um, you know, he he's a big, big man, and while he does have a you know sort of a a goofy sophomoreish grin on his face half the time, if you're an NHL defenseman trying to move his derriere out of in front of your netminder, not an easy task to do. Had somebody refer to him as Sir Tipsalot. Today, which actually works out nicely with your baby got back reference, which is very, I mean, perfect. Thank you, Huss. I'm going to use that forever moving forward. Uh, but yeah, like, and he's like, and he's still not as strong as I think he probably eventually will be. So he had a play against Calgary that had a lot of people talking where they were on the power play and he's not the main power play. One guy, Chase on a veteran guy, I think. The rest of the guys really like having him out there, but that spot in front of the net on the power play with McDavid and Drysaddle is destined to be Pulleyarvi's as early as next season. The entire time, there's a play against Calgary where the puck bounced loose and he dove for it in the slot. Dove got his long stick on it, knocked it back to McDavid. McDavid threw it to Barry. Barry shot on the net. Pulleyarvi had gotten back up, got back in front of the net, and tipped it in between the goaltender's legs for a goal. And you just don't see a lot of guys diving for pucks on the power play to keep plays alive. And he, I think he's coming. I think his, it's probably the most important thing. Two things. One, he, I think improved English is helping him a lot, fit in with his teammates. And two, just the work ethic. Like, we know that you're skilled. I mean, everybody knows that you can play that way. That's why you're drafted at high. But he, he just busts his balls. Tippett mentions it every time he talks about him, about how hard he works. And I think that's got to help you fit in with a bunch of guys who might have thought you'd given up on the organization. Dustin Nielsen of TSN in Edmonton is with us. We'll have a new lock shop for you a little later on today. So make sure to subscribe on the uh, podcast feed to the lock shop and give Dustin a follow at Nielsen, I before E, TSN1260. <laughs> Do you have a lot of people screw up the spelling of your name? Buddy, I've got people I've worked with for 11 years who still don't get it right. And uh, that drives <laughs> me crazy. That drives me insane. I'm like, I've been your morning show host for 11 years. 
My name is spelled N-I-E-L-S-O-N. So, yes, it does frustrate me. Well, I'm a 1T Patterson, and the people have been screwing that up my entire life. So I, uh, I, I feel you. Um, you were in the building last night. You texted me. And you said you were freezing. So I'm shout to you for toughing, toughing it oh, out and making yeah. it through three periods in, uh, in cold temperatures. Um, what did you see from the Jets? I mean, did they look like um, a team that was – Maybe just dealing with uh, a little bit of uh, lag from uh, the game before. Um, you know, they did. I mean, they held the Oilers to three high danger chances in the whole game. They had seven of their own. Ironically, it was their fourth line that scored. But I mean, you were there in the building. What did you see, especially you know from those top two lines that weren't able to get on the board? Yeah, like I thought overall, Winnipeg played a really good defensive game last night. I, I didn't think they had to do it with just like mucking up the neutral zone like Toronto and Calgary have done when they've had success. I thought, you know, overall, I was relatively surprised by how good I thought the Jets did defensively. When you can hold McDavid and Dreisaitl and that group offensively for the Oilers, so that few high-danger scoring chances, it's going to take a spectacular effort here or there by the best player on the planet to to beat you. So, you know, but I mean, up front, Shifley had that great chance late to tie it, and if he gets that, it's probably going to overtime. But uh, I thought overall, you know, a little bit quiet, but I, I don't want to use last night's game and having a chance to watch them in person as the game to get a read on the Winnipeg Jets just because of the spot. How many times in the lock shop do we talk about different spots that teams are in? Yeah. And that's why yeah, I don't really want it. I think going in last night, playing a pretty good road game and getting beat by Connor McDavid a couple of times is, is it's not a win, but it's not a bad loss to take at all. The old scheduled loss scenario. And I thought the fact that they managed to slow things down a little bit from another's perspective is, is pretty solid. I, I liked I, the one guy that I was a little disappointed in, and I watched him a little bit just because I hadn't seen him in a Jets uniform before was Pierre-Luc Dubois. I didn't even really notice him too much in the early going. And you know, we talked about a little bit on our show. I'll throw it back at you. How has he – I know he's scored some big goals since he's been there, but has he had those nights like last night? Because last night he seemed like a little bit of a non-factor for me. Yeah. You he know, only played like – what did he play, 14 minutes or something? Yeah, it was It was a little weird. And I think that was you know part of it with the matchups with the Lowry line that you know Coach was trying to get him out there. Yeah. But, I mean, he was – the game before he had three assists and you know seemed to be – I mean, offensively you can just see that – the potential is oozing. I mean, you put a player like that with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, and they'll get their fair share of chances. You know, I think, honestly, connecting in the defensive zone has been as much of a challenge as any. I mean, you know, Ehlers and, and Kyle Connor not known as, you know, they're not going to be up for any checking line duty anytime soon. So, you know, the thought of a 200-foot player coming in to get together with those guys is certainly the... You know, what they hope to get to by the time that the playoffs roll around, a t- uh, you know, a line that, you know, you know, they'll take care of business and get opportunities in the offensive end. But, you know, give the coach a little bit more confidence to play them against top competition in their own. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's had a couple big overtime goals. He had some great passes so far. But you, you, you there's I don't think there's any doubt that there the potential for much more from Dubois yeah. so far. And, you know, part of that is coming in with a new team, staying in a hotel room for 14 days after you get here. Um, but we have seen glimpses of it, and they'll just hope that that group kind of clicks a little bit more in both ends as uh, we go forward. I think the one thing that kind of confirmed to me last night and. You know, we talked about it a lot together about, you know, the disrespect that the Jets get from everybody in the betting game. And I think still disrespect from, you know, the mainstream media or whatever you want to call everybody in this country, you know, overall from from coast to coast. I just I watched the Jets play and, you know, especially if they can add something on the blue line here prior to the deadline. 
I, I there's identifiable top three. Like, I don't think anybody from Toronto, Edmonton, or Winnipeg has fallen out of that top three, whether the Flames go on a Sutter run or Carey Price gets hot for a little bit. or I mean, I don't know what it would take for the Canucks to put themselves into that conversation, but it, it's happened a lot earlier than I thought that there'd been a, you know, a separation of three teams in the division. I thought it might you know be pretty darn close the entire way. Toronto had that great start, and then Edmonton took a run at him, and the Jets went in and got him, and now we get to see in Edmonton and Winnipeg, and I'm really excited for Saturday's game. I think it's going to be Me that too. game that we were all expecting to see last night. Uh, I'm like, I'm really excited for it. I think it should be a really good game on Saturday. Well, and I will tell folks, we'll certainly be uh, looking ahead to Saturday night's Jets-Oilers game on the lock shop, and we'll see what the Jets can do, what they've done all season long, and that's not lose two in a row in regulation, and they'll have a day off today to get rested and get ready, and I think we will see a very different hockey game. Dustin Nielsen, host of the Nielsen Show on TSN 1290, and my partner on the lock shop with me here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I've got to ask you, and a lot of, I'm sure a lot of the people that are with us, either live in YouTube or listening on the podcast, have maybe been popping in on the app and checking out your program. Um, you and Lieutenant Eric do just a, an amazing job. It's so fun. I have to ask you about the goal songs. And for folks, okay. if you haven't listened, um, Dusty and a group have a different goal song, a takeoff of a popular song named after an Oilers player for pretty much everyone on the team when they score. I have to ask you, who writes them? How are they produced? How much work goes into it? And how do you have a house band that's just ready to fire these things up for you every time you get a new idea? Well, you know, it's... uh... Yeah, good questions. I mean, we do have quite a few. And any, anytime somebody scores and we don't have one, Twitter blows up. Like, listen, how do you not have a goal song for Darnell Nurse? I'm like, well, usually he scores five goals a season. But, yeah, we're going to work on one. So that'll probably be the next one we we drop because he's having a, a nice season. But basically how it works. I mean, a lot of the parody songs, I just, to be honest with you, to be a full nerd here, I just – my favorite musician growing up was Weird Al Yankovic. So I just, I always found... You were the Weird Al of sports radio. (laughs) Well, yeah. So I just always, like, he was, like, the first cassette tape I had was, like, a surgeon. And and that's, like, the only music my parents let me listen to was either that or country. So I'd listen to Weird Al. And that was it. So, So it's kind of just always come naturally. So... Yeah, I just a lot of the, some of the goals, you know, I'll be like, hey, we need a goal song for Tyson Berry. Fire me some suggestions. People will send in like the, the song they think I should do a parody of. And then, you know, I'll kind of go over it in my head and like, OK, yeah, that might work. And then I'll I'll bang it out. So, yeah, I usually write it and, you know, I can probably write one in like an hour to an hour and a half. And then I send the lyrics away to this production company that we have. Um, on payroll, if you want to call it, we have some sort of agreement. I don't know all the details of it. I send it down to this production company in the States and they usually take like two to three days to, to bang it out and then send it back. So that's why you'll hear like similar voices on the majority of them. It's two or three guys and they got one female voice and it's great because they can turn it around super quick. So I mean, that's, that's pretty convenient, but at the same time, I like, so I wrote that, I had that chin strap song for the month of church and, uh, that's the first one I sent down to them and sent like an entire letter, like explaining exactly <laughs> what was going on. I said, I know this might sound ridiculous, but can you please do this? And, you know, it's it it adds to the show because it adds to the excitement of people. Huss, this is not like good radio work, but on Thursday morning, we usually go on the air. at like 606. 
I didn't say my first word till 6.15 on Thursday morning because of the seven goals against Calgary. I had like eight minutes of music. It was like we're an FM station. It's <laughs> it's insane. But we have a lot of fun with it. And uh, I, I I just love writing those things. So it's great. Well, they're phenomenal. Um, and, uh, you know, always enjoy them. Um, they may be less so after they were against the Jets, <laughs> but that's uh, beside the point. And speaking of Charge, I mean, credit to you for taking a hold of important social causes and issues <laughs> And, um, you know, be Chin Strap Awareness Month, the month of March, um, very important. But I have to ask you, I mean, you're coming on here promoting Charch without a chin strap. It would be yeah. like being the Movember spokesperson and being clean shaven. Will we have a full strap by the time the lock shop goes tonight? <laughs> oh, oh, no, not tonight. Not tonight. I think – I can't believe you pulled it tonight on me. I'm thinking – and I think Lieutenant Eric's kind of growing some scruff here as well. I'm thinking for the final few days of church, I might go back to the chin strap that I had. Like my, I met my wife. I had a chin strap when I married her. I had a chin strap. So I think I could get away with, you know, just a nice little sort of Calvin McCarty, you know, pretty thick work it all the way down and around, but I'm on CTV morning live here every morning for like, it's only a three and a half minute hit. But I know if I have a chin strap on there for like two weeks. And uh, the stigma. And the stigma, Dusty. You're right. (laughs) I can't be the leader of this and talk like that. You're right. And the stigma around chin straps. It's the month of charge. And uh, yeah, it's coming. I mean, I could get away with it for sure. Oh, you could definitely pull it off. And as I said, you are a chin strap veteran. I mean, this isn't just, I mean, you have walked the walk in the past. You got married with the chin strap. And listen, credit to your wife for seeing the seeing the inside of you and not just turning the other way when you walked up with the strap probably had a mullet then too i'd imagine i I, i'm more than a chin strap that's what i said to her i said i'm more than just this illustrious growth from ear to ear around my chin so yeah i mean when you when you meet your wife at a bar in Fort McMurray, the chin straps, one of the best things going in that place. What can I say? <laughs> Dusty, um, you know, before we, uh, before we break, and again, folks, a little later on tonight, uh, if you're following myself, follow Dustin on Twitter. You'll be able to check the whole lock shop and check out the full podcast uh, sometime this evening before we get into all of the Saturday action. Um, the other thing, and folks, go to Dustin's, t- Dustin's Twitter feed for this. Tales of the North. Um, and we've had lots of great conversations, just how great this North division is. Um, th- this is the greatest piece, the greatest content. And you have now got a, uh, a a wig. You're putting on a cloak. Lieutenant Eric is sharpening swords at the beginning of this with basically a very simple North division update. Um, how much fun have you been having this? Where does this rank amongst the bits that you've been doing? And as far as the feedback with your uh, with your peeps, man, it's it's one of the best ones from a reaction perspective that we've had in quite a while. Like maybe since we launched Stalking Connor like four years ago, where Mark Messier was stalking Connor on his cell phone, like one of the commercials. <laughs> but yeah, this one, yeah, I, I can't, I can't even. Like we've been doing it for probably four or five weeks. I can't even remember when we had the first conversation. I was like, hey, we should do an update of the North Division with me doing a horrible Game of Thrones accent. So we started doing that, and then people really seemed to like it. So then I was like, hey, I should wear a costume. We should record it and put it on Twitter. And it's, you know, it's going to continue. I have a quill now that I use instead of holding a pen because I always I like to have a pen that. in my hand. So I bought it. My, you know, I'll get a, 
Amazon delivery to the door here. And my wife is just like, what is it now? I'm like, this is a quill. Look, it actually writes. So I'm like, I mean, I've been in the market for a good form sword, a foam sword that looks just like Jon Snow. So I'm going to bring that out at some point. And right now we've taken suggestions for what Eric should dress as because he's got the swords. But and somebody suggested he actually wears like a Daenerys dress, like the actual you know dragon queen. And then but then talk like a guy. So it's we're just getting started, Huss. But you know what? I mean, this is probably I, I know some people have said, hey, you should keep this going when the Oilers play all Canadian teams moving forward. I'm like, well, let's ride it out for the north right now. And then we'll go from there because I just really enjoyed this. I'm not tired of any of this yet, like playing these same teams all the time. Oh, me neither. I'm, I I know some people texted and said, man, you know, it's just killing me. And I'm like, hey, I'd like to watch Kaprizov, too. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing him. I like to get Ovi. Now, I don't need to see. Trevor Zegras come through town right now or washed up Brent Burns or, you know, any of these guys, not that Burns is washed up, but he's not what he used to be. You're like, I don't, I don't miss that. I I'm okay with like these epic rivalries building oh, between Canadian teams. It's a special year. And Remus right now has the tales of the North <laughs> video playing. You can see that. You know what we need? We need a uh, Nielsen show. Go fund me to get some chain mail for Lieutenant Eric. I think that, <laughs> oh, that's, the, chain mail. that's the only that's way we can, uh, we can go. Um, <laughs> hey buddy, can't wait for this game tomorrow. Uh, um, we will uh, talk to you a little later on today uh, with hopefully another red-hot edition of the Lock Shop. Sounds good, buddy. Congrats on all this. This looks good. Fun to be a part of it anytime you need me. Well, I appreciate it. We will certainly do it again soon. There is the voice of TSN 1260 in Edmonton. That's Dustin Nielsen. You can check him out. A lot of 1290 orphans have been going popping in on Dusty's morning show. It is, um, it's He's awesome. It's the best. Um, even if it is still a TSN station, can't help but uh, throw in support behind my guy. And great to have him on the program. And really looking forward to uh, the rematch between the Jets and Oilers tomorrow night. And as I mentioned, Lock Chop coming up later on tonight. Uh, 8 or 9 o'clock, we'll do it live. But you'll be able to get it into your podcast feed whenever you need. So much like you are hopefully already doing to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, you can do that for the Lock Shop as well. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo. Uh, pretty awesome hour we have just had with Dave Poole and, and Dusty. And, I um, mean, Pooley came. We hit all sorts of great topics. It was pretty fun, though, to uh, peel behind on the curtain a little bit with Dusty because um, as far as you know, we've had a chance to work with a lot of great people in radio, uh, I don't think there's anybody that has more fun doing his show. And uh, honestly, from my perspective, few people I have more fun talking to. So it was great to have him on uh, WST Daily. Yeah, a lot of hockey talk today uh, with the Jets playing the Oilers. Got a chance to catch up with Dusty, the president of the Yessi Pugliarvi fan club. And, uh, of course, Dave Poulin always has incredible insight. He's had so many different uh, hockey jobs as a player uh, and now in media and before that as a executive. So uh, it was a great show. And if you did uh, miss it, I mean, you can hit rewind on YouTube and just pop in whenever or... Uh, get the podcast later on your favorite thing. So a lot of great uh, people in chat. I see uh, Ezzy Ginsberg in there. Ezzy, thanks for uh, popping in. So, Ezzy wants uh, to stop the strap. Ezzy wants to stop the strap. And yeah. Ezzy's just a straight-up wilderness beard guy. So, I mean, we know what Ezzy's all about. And, hey, you know what? And thanks to Mark Sports Video as well. Mark's been in here pretty much faithfully each and every day. There's some great videos on his channel of – Usually just calamitous moments for the Jets in their own end, but they aren't interested to look. But he has said, if you're wondering, the likes help us big time. And if you're watching it on your phone, I guess the tip from Mark is you just have to close the chat and then you can uh, get a like. So if you can, before you finish up with us, if you're watching live on YouTube or on the replay, do us a favor. Hit that like button. It certainly does uh, does help out quite a bit. Um, 
So, Reem, we go into the weekend. Um, March Madness is already here. Um, thanks to everyone that got into our March Madness pool. Um, I have no idea about anything college basketball-wise, but I'm certainly in for a bracket. And uh, we'll get some great prizes from uh, from our sponsors for uh, sort of the top three teams. So um, we'll see how things go. Uh, I mean, you've always been in the bracket. I have as well. But I will say this. I have less knowledge and information than at any time before. This is basically the a pure exercise of throwing darts. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. I look at some uh, rankings and then I just like pick numbers. And if it seems like the teams are closer... I'd usually go with the upset just for fun. I think on ESPN you do get some bonus points uh, for picking an upset. But, yeah, I have no idea what any of these teams are. I like watching the games. I like when it goes down and you're, there's going to be an upset and, you know, the lower seed is locking arms on the bench. Uh, I think it's a bit different this year with the fans. Maybe you don't have the, the crowd uh, cheering for I don't even the think upset. the players can lock arms. I think they're all sat in like yeah. separate areas. I was watching the play-in game last night. I mean, every listen, it's just bizarre like so many other things. Although the big story coming out of last night was the incredible discrepancy that the NCAA has provided for the players from the men's tournament and the women's tournament. And hey, I get economics. I totally understand that all the money's coming in for the men's tournament, but you know, there are rules, they've sort of set standards that they are trying to do things equally for men and women. And that video showing the women's weight room compared to the facility for the men was completely embarrassing. Now we're finding out that the food is different, everything's different, and the girls are being treated like second-class citizens. Um, you know, in the world of sports, I can't say that I'm shocked about this, and we've seen different, you know, when it comes to professional sports. But for something like the NCAA, um, just an absolute embarrassment for them and a real black mark. And I've seen a lot of people and a lot of prominent women in sports speaking to this, including our girl, the great Desiree Scott of Winnipeg, Manitoba, two-time Olympic bronze medalist. Um, just a terrible look for the NCAA. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly they move to rectify this, although the stain of having started the tournament with this um, underway is already there. Yeah, you're referring to a video on social media showing the differences in the facilities given to the men versus the women and I agree with you a lot of about what about yeah, sir what the NCAA is about is uh, pretty gross I mean uh, the players not being able to earn income on their name and likeness uh, is a debate that's gone on for a long time and it's going in you know with the big courts in the U.S. so uh, we'll see how that goes I just think it's one of uh, one of many things that many people have issues with and you hope it gets rectified but like who honestly who knows who who could say if it will yeah, um, no. Okay, listen, the, the other thing that we need to discuss before the end of the program, um, we've got good news here in Manitoba when it comes to the virus, although I, I'm not talking numbers, I'm talking vaccinations, because we need to get these shots going. Um, I, my parents got a call this week, and I think most people in our demo, I mean, we're less worried about ourselves, we just, you know, want, you know, our folks and people in these high danger age categories to get vaccinated. So, Apparently today they've announced that they're down to the age of 69 um, for people. So again, things are getting rolled out and, and that is good. Um, but really the story of today when it comes to the virus was the photo op of Dr. Rusin getting his vaccine. And all I can say is, you know, Jim or no Jim, Dr. Rusin has been going hard on arm day 
throughout the pandemic because Reem, I don't know if you saw this, he had a little t-shirt on that was easily minimum one size too small. And he rolled into that chair and rolled up the sleeve to get his shot, looking like the most jacked doctor on the prairies, Dr. Brent Rusin. Yeah, I, I saw the picture. That's the number one news story in Winnipeg right now. Not uh, the Rusin's guns. Lost, not anything. <laughs> yeah, not anything with the vaccine. You know, age being lowered. Not the nice weather, but Dr. Brent Rusin showing up to his uh, vaccine appointment, uh, shown you know in the in the media with these massive uh, defined arms. So uh, props to Dr. Rusin for he knew that he was going to be. Have to do, you know, a photo op. He knew it was coming. I'm sure they told him months ago, Dr. Rusin, you are, you know, you're going to be one of the first people. Uh, You're going to have to do it. We're going to have to show everyone that getting the vaccine is safe. It's okay. And he's like, well, I got to look good for this. So he's probably just been uh, doing arm day uh, pretty hard for the last couple months. So he's been preparing and it looks good. And uh, well done, uh, Dr. Rusin. Every day is arm day. In the in Casa Rusin, and I'll tell you what I believe. I know last year Doctor Rusin was out of breezy when uh, he had the opportunity when he wasn't you know in the middle of the pandemic, and um, I can't wait to see him off the tee. I mean, maybe maybe this is all golf related. Maybe he just want maybe he's the Bryson DeChambeau of Breezy Bend and has just been drinking protein shakes and doing curls at every waking moment when he hasn't been fighting the virus so he can go out and bomb at 3.30 off the tee when uh, golf season gets going, which is going to be very, very soon, Remus. Some courses actually opening this week, if you can believe it. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I was looking at the uh, Skywatch <laughs> weather. Uh, it's pretty pretty nice today. Uh, what is it, 12 and sunny, according to my, uh, my app, 9 Feels like nine. So, yeah, this is basically a T-shirt and shorts. Weather. Actually, I've been going out in the last week or so, and it's been like, you know, a high of 10, around three or four or five. I'm still wearing my winter jacket, but I am seeing a lot of people out there in T-shirts. So people are taking advantage of it. But I am I am concerned about other people's choices, or I'm like, am I getting old and I'm still wearing you my, are- my winter jacket and other people... You are a, a softer than an XL package of Charmin, Reem. We all know that. The I, I don't think I wore a winter jacket more than one or two days this year, and it was just during that 10-day stretch in February. That being said, I've been enjoying indoor parking, so it had been good. But you know what? Your father, you know, you're, you, it changes when you have a kid. Then you become the overbearing parent worrying about everything, and it's actually transitioned into your own life now. So, you know, it's 15 degrees outside. If you go out, you don't need a winter jacket today, just saying. I've transi- transitioned into a spring jacket, although it is tough. It's pretty cold in the morning, like uh, around zero. So I have been sending my son to daycare in a uh, in his winter jacket. We did have a discussion at home today. Uh, if it should be winter or the lighter one. <laughs> we opted for the winter. Got to be safe. Uh, we've got some great stuff coming in the chat room. Uh, our The OG of our shows, caller number one, Gregory Liverpool. My dad is going for the vaccine on March 31st evening. That is great to hear, Greg. And a, a lot of people just talking about Dr. Rusin. The genetic freak, Dr. Brent Rusin. Stone Cold Brent Rusin. <laughs> big, big guns Rusin. And the bullet, he's got dad strength. He's got more than dad strength. As I said, he's looking like a uh, an older Bryson DeChambeau right now. So in all, in all seriousness, it's great to see the doctor get the shot. It's great to hear that more of our parents and older Manitobans are getting the shot. 
And uh, we all got to get these shots, and then we'll be able to get back into hockey rinks and into football stadiums and watching all of our teams and maybe even having a few cold ones at the odd sports bar with people that we don't live with if things all go well. Remo, hell of a great week on Winnipeg Sports Talk 2 down, and now really excited about next Monday kicking it off with a bunch of our old 1290 friends, Jim Toth coming on the program on Monday, Rick also next week, and hoping to line up a few of the other uh, jokers that we had so much fun with back at the old shop on Pemina. Yeah, this has been super fun. I am getting used to uh, all the equipment and, and doing everything. I'm having less people coming on muted. We did have a couple of technical mishaps, especially yesterday, but you know what? We didn't panic. We got through it, and uh, everything's evolving, and we're going to improve uh, as we go. So this has been super fun. I do appreciate everyone in chat chiming in, everyone who's subscribed, who's liked. We are on every uh, social media, so if you're just following us on here or on Twitter, uh, check out the other ones. We are on Facebook and uh, and Instagram, and I can post longer longer clips on those. So uh, I have posted a couple highlights every day if you uh, do happen to miss. So uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, check us out on all the socials. It's in, in the description as well. Excellent. Joey Panks, what's up, Joey? He's hitting up a course tomorrow. Mitch says Oakwood's opening tomorrow. I saw Southside's opening tomorrow. So, uh, you know, if you, if you do want to go swing a club, driving ranges, of course, going forward. and uh, But Split, just talking about, you know, your the wife won the discussion. I would imagine in the quote-unquote discussions between you and your wife, your record is somewhere like about 0 and 500. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yep. No argument for me there. (laughs) No doubt. Hey, listen, great way to finish the program and finish a great week. Thanks so much to Dave Poulin and Dustin Nielsen. Uh, Of course, thanks to the CTO, Michael Remus, back at the command center. But most of all, thanks to all of you for making us a part of your day every day, especially the people that are joining us live on YouTube. Hit that like button on the way out, by the way. And to all of you that are listening on podcast, so great for you to uh, make time for us every day. And if you do want to help out, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just go down where you can rate and review. Give us a five-star rating and throw a little blurb that you're enjoying the program. We would greatly appreciate that as well. Well, that's going to do it, folks. It's Friday. Enjoy the weather. Have a great weekend. Should be a good hockey game tomorrow night, hopefully with a different result than last night. We'll be back to talk all about it on Monday with our old pal Jim Toth joining us, amongst others on another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks again to our sponsors, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports, and the Royal Sports, the outdoor shop, and of course, the uh, the gang over at CoolBet.com. Just on the way out, I'm going to post this coming up on our Twitter page, um, but I do want to get to our CoolBet line of the day. Don't want to forget that, and we'll be going over all of the CoolBet action tonight. Um, on the lock shop, but uh, the game I'm looking forward to tonight, Calgary at Toronto, Calgary plus 134, the Leafs minus 159, and Vegas minus 179, heavy favorite over the LA Kings at plus 150. Uh, Head to coolbet.com for those, and we will hit all of the numbers coming up tonight on the lock shop for coolbet.com as well. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks for joining us all week long on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We'll do it again on Monday, 1 p.m. live on YouTube and in your podcast feed right around 3 o'clock. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 